I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Instant Reaction Podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a glorious Thursday night here in the Hawkeye State. As your Iowa Hawkeye men's basketball, women's basketball, wrestling have defeated Iowa State this uh, this week. A clean sweep of the winter sports after a rough fall in the Cyhawk rivalry. Uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes beat... Iowa State tonight, 75-56, to and uh, it wasn't that close. Um, the Hawkeyes jumped out to a 15 to nothing lead in this game, and, and it really never got any closer than that. I guess 15-2, to technically, uh, was a 13-point lead, and then I believe uh, a three-pointer pushed the lead beyond that. It was 20-2 to at one point for the Hawkeyes, and again, it never really got any closer than that. A 19-point win uh, this ballooned up to close to 30 points at times and was never really any closer than uh than than 20 points this was an absolute beatdown. this was an ass kicking in carver hawkeye arena a fantastic carver hawkeye arena by the way shout out to any of you who were in attendance that atmosphere seemed uh, incredible. The crowd was was certainly a major factor in the early going of that game. And uh, by all accounts, uh, we saw Cade McNamara in attendance. I know Eric All, his tight end friend from Michigan who's considering the Hawkeyes, uh, was there as well. And I saw David Eichel say, you know, there were some other potential transfer portal recruits uh, in attendance in that game and, and what a way to show them what Iowa City is all about and what uh, what the Hawkeye State is all about, what being a Hawkeye is all about. This was uh, just just a, a great night, a fun night uh, on the heels of a really fun night last night. If, if you had said coming into these two games, you know, I think everybody, most people expected the wrestling victory and, and that was probably a little closer than a lot of people uh hoped it would be or, or maybe thought it should be uh, Iowa State's an up, com- up and coming program uh, when it comes to wrestling and uh, it was bonus points for Iowa that, that ended up notching the 18 to 15 win I believe uh, but to, coming into these games you had a top 10 Iowa State women's team that felt like a very complete team uh, against an Iowa team that had struggled to kind of put it all together, certainly against the the top tier competition that they played so far this season. And then you had a, uh, an Iowa state men's team that plays an, an interesting style, a, an annoying style of basketball. If you're on the other side of it. And Oh, by the way, Chris Murray was unavailable, your best player. And so uh, if, if you had said that Iowa would not just 
win both of these games, but uh, do it in blowout fashion on consecutive nights inside Carver Hawkeye Arena. I mean, I don't think many people would have believed you. What what an incredible couple of nights for these Hawkeye basketball programs. Fran McCaffrey's 500th win. I think it's 249th as I was head coach. Uh, just such a cool milestone. I've seen video of he and his wife, Margaret, and obviously their sons, Connor and Patrick, who were both uh, key tonight in the, in this wins in this win uh, embracing on the court and celebrating 500 uh, what a cool milestone would have been nice to see Fran get that against Duke at Madison Square Garden but almost a little sweeter to get it in a rivalry game like this uh, against a ranked Iowa State team on your home floor on a night where it really felt like Iowa needed something uh, we didn't know what it was going to be we didn't know who was going to, to be the one to step up kind of who is going to be the one to step up and and make up for the loss of Chris Murray and everything he brings, not just in scoring, you know, at almost twenty points a game, but in in every in every aspect and in, in taking the attention of the defense. I mean, Chris Murray is Iowa's best player, and they just blew out a top twenty team without him. How did they do it? Philip Robracha is how they did it. I mean, not not all of it, obviously, but that that's a big big part of it. The the way he played tonight. From tip to finish, I think he played 37 of the 40 minutes. I didn't play it. Didn't didn't have a deep bench. Didn't play a lot of guys tonight. Uh, where where you thought they may need to with that quick turnaround from Madison Square Garden and that trip to New York City where they didn't get home till very early in the morning yesterday, and and then without Chris Murray, you thought, man, this is a, a game where guys like Desante Bowen and Josh Dix and Josh Agundale were going to have to be a big part of it, and and all of those guys played, and Josh Dix scored a point, scored two points, scored a basket had a rebound, uh, but it was really a, a six-man rotation uh, tonight for the Hawkeyes, even in a blowout win, and they looked really good doing it. But back to Philip Robracha, who was the best player on the floor tonight uh, on either team. 22 points, 11 assists, 9 of 11 from the field, including 2 of 2 from three-point land. The only place he wasn't dominant was at the free-throw line where he was just 2 of 5. You felt like Iowa needed to be really good at the free throw line tonight to to beat a team like Iowa State in the way they play, um, and and the officials certainly called a good number of fouls on Iowa State. But Iowa State fouls every possession. That's how they play. That's what they do. And so when you get whistled for twenty fouls, that's that's not abnormal for Iowa State. Um, but uh, you know, again, Philip Robracha, other than the two of five from the line. 11 rebounds, five of those offensive rebounds. He had four assists, a couple of those on on big three-pointers, three blocks for Philip Robracha, and he was just uh, the most intense and under-control player on the floor for either team tonight. He is... He was Iowa's best player tonight, and, and he's a big, big part of why I was able to do this. Um, it was so much fun. It's It's been so much fun to watch him grow into this player this season you know, he transferred to Iowa as a senior, you know, having played three years in North Dakota. And when we saw him last year, he was certainly a serviceable Big Ten big, but it felt like he had hit his ceiling and he kind of was the player he was. And you weren't going to get a lot more out of him than you got last year, which again was was just fine. Maybe not great and certainly not to the Luca Garza level that we had all come to expect over the you know four years prior. But I did not think Philip Robracha had another level in him. I really didn't, and I'm, I'm completely wrong about that. I was very wrong. Uh, it turned out that a year in the Big Ten and an offseason in Iowa's program 
has done a lot for him. He is a uh, a legitimate big man who can hold his own against some really good teams. I mean, he pl- he played well against Duke, against a couple of seven-footers in, in Duke. He's not the reason I would lost that game. And then he played fantastic tonight. And I think heading into, uh, you know, the rest of – uh, heading into Big Ten play, really, right now, uh, with with Wisconsin coming to town on Sunday, you get a bit of a break before the you know the the rest of the conference season begins. But you have to feel really good about where Philip Abracha is right now, uh, and and kind of what Iowa is with him when he's playing at this level. Connor McCaffrey, uh, who got the start in place of Chris Murray was just fantastic again and and how often have we talked on this podcast and and other places that Connor McCaffrey's um, contributions to this team and this program don't always show up on the stat sheet and he could play a game where he plays 25 or 30 minutes and doesn't doesn't even take a shot doesn't put up a lot of stats doesn't fill up the stat sheet and yet you felt his impact throughout the game and you feel like I wouldn't have won these games without him well today you had kind of everything you felt his impact on and off the the score sheet he had 14 points eight of those from the free throw line where he was 100% eight of eight Uh, just two of seven shooting all of those were three-pointers a couple early and uh and you know they 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 gave him the shots and he took them and that's that's just fine uh but he had four assists he had three rebounds he had two steals and just two fouls and he drew a number of fouls and his defense was fantastic and Iowa State's not a great offensive team by any means uh, but the way that that he was able to bottle up his his um his mark on defense and then again there were a few times where the way Iowa State plays, they're going to foul you just about every possession. And if you're a smart player like Connor McCaffrey is, who understands this game at this level, you can draw those fouls. You can make sure you're in a position where the referees are seeing those fouls. And that's what Connor McCaffrey did tonight. And he was a huge, huge part of, of his dad's 500th win, uh, as was his younger brother, Patrick, who had 13 points and assist, a rebound. Not a great game for Patrick, but good to see him get a little warmed up from three-point land. He was three of five from there, five of eight from the field. And again, when when you knew Chris Murray was going to be out, you felt like Tony Perkins and Patrick McCaffrey were going to have to really step up and and be the guys. And even though it was Philip Robracha ultimately uh, who was that guy, you felt good. This was a solid game from from Patrick McCaffrey. If you can get 13 of him from him every night and, and as efficient as he was offensively, you feel good about that. Tony Perkins had 10 points. Not a great night from the field, 3 of 11, uh, but just so active, so much energy. He's the heart and soul of this team, right? He's the he's the energy of this team. He's the, the vocal leader of this team. Uh, he had two three-pointers. He was 2 of 4 from, from 3, 2 of 2 from the uh, free throw line. Just, again, 3 of 11 from the field, which is not great, but... Six rebounds, three assists, a couple of steals, a block, uh, a big dunk, and and just his his demeanor, his energy, his his quick hands, his uh, annoyance as a defender uh, is is invaluable. Aaron Eulis, who also started, had eight points. Um, he did have six turnovers. It was a rough night for him there, and it was a rough night for the Hawkeyes there. But this is a really good Iowa State team when it comes to that. They force more turnovers than just about anybody in the country. And 18 turnovers for Iowa is uh, uncharacteristically bad. And yet, it didn't ultimately matter, obviously. Eulis was uh, uh, seven rebounds for Aaron Eulis. Wow. Two assists and a couple of steals for him as well. Um 
six steals for the Hawkeyes tonight, all coming from Perkins, Eulis, and Connor McCaffrey. The Josh Dix did have the two points off the bench. I, I did mention a Gundelay and Bowen who each played. Uh, Bowen d- didn't look great tonight. He um, he looked really good against Duke in the second half, and it kind of felt like, okay, maybe this is his moment to shine. Again, especially without Chris Murray there. Just wasn't the case tonight, but that's okay. Again, you didn't need him. Peyton Sanford played quite a bit, uh, did hit a three. That was nice to see that one go down for him. He was 2 of 5 from the field with three rebounds and assists and, and six points total. You just you really need to see him. Um, you, you like to see him still shooting, and Fran will talk about that tonight. He keeps talking about that. He's got the ultimate green light. Peyton Sanford does, uh, regardless of what kind of a slump he is, and regardless of whether or not he's in the starting lineup. Fran has the utmost confidence that he's going to to continue to hit shots, and and so he wants him to continue to take shots. And so it was good to see that one go down. And uh, at some point here, you're going to need Peyton Sanford. Uh, to, to have a big game, to get on a run, uh, especially in these these Big Ten games coming up. And, uh, and, and especially with some uncertainty around the Chris Murray situation. But man, uh, before we talk about that, before we get, get more into, um, you know, kind of what, what's, what's ahead for this Hawkeye team, just, just got to celebrate this victory, man, and, and just a beatdown of your rival. I think this is five of seven now against Iowa State for the Hawkeyes. You know, last year was such a rough game over at Hilton Coliseum. This is now four in a row inside Carver Hawkeye Arena. Um, and so you just, you, you really like that. Iowa State's not a good offensive team, and they were terrible tonight. Terrible. Uh, from three point land, Iowa State was three of 22. And I think at one point they were 0 of 14 or 15 before they finally hit a three. And a lot of that was on Iowa playing very good defense and uh, and and then you know running every time Iowa State did make a basket. Iowa was out out running. Um, you just you punched him in the face so much so quickly with that energy, with the scoring, with the crowd that they just they this is not a team that can come back from something like that. They don't have a stud scorer. Uh, Gabe Kausher had 12 points for them tonight and he was their leading scorer, uh, but he's not the type of guy who's going to be able to carry a team who's not shooting well to a, to a victory in a game like this. Taman Lipsy had 11 points, the freshman from Ames. Uh, he had a, a decent game. Jaron Holmes just 7 points and uh Big Rob Jones for the Cyclones had 11 points, and it was kind of fun to see him and and Robracha battle back and forth a little bit. Although obviously Robracha got the uh, got the better of that one. Some team stats here: they both uh, both made 24 field goals, but Iowa State had nine or 11 more attempts than did Iowa. So Iowa State just shot 40 percent from the field. Iowa exactly 50, 24, 48 uh, from three. Iowa was 12 of 23. Match the season high with 12 threes. This is a team that was three of 16 against Duke. You make you make half half of your threes against Duke. You probably win that game, and, and making 52 percent tonight uh, allows you to win this game. If Iowa was shooting like that from behind the arc, they're really really hard to beat, as they always have been. Um, again, Iowa State just three of 22 there. From the free throw line, Iowa didn't foul a whole lot, so Iowa State didn't get a lot of opportunities there. They were five of seven, but Iowa was five of fifteen of nineteen. So free throws in an eighty percent clip, you like to see that. Thirty-five rebounds for the Hawkeyes, uh, seven offensive, twenty-eight defensive. They out rebounded Iowa State uh, by six. Some of these stats got a little skewed late in the game. Iowa certainly, uh, you know, got less aggressive in the final ten minutes. Uh, had a five or six minute scoring drought there. Um, 
you know, took their foot off the gas to some extent, um, which is was was a little disappointing. But ultimately, Iowa State isn't the type of team that can go on a run um, that can erase a 20 point deficit. I mean, it was 20 to 40 at halftime and that was essentially the game. Um, so some of these stats got a little skewed by by some of that. I was 16 assists on those 24 made baskets. That's a really, uh, really good number. Four blocks for the Hawkeyes, six steals, 18 turnovers. Again, way too many, but they did force 15. Uh, and I think they led in points off turnovers. So uh, able to turn their turnovers into big plays like the Tony Perkins dunk. Whereas Iowa State's just offensively challenged, so even when they do turn you over, uh, it's unlikely that they're going to score. Largest lead of the night, Hawkeyes by 29. Uh, Iowa State did not lead. Again, a 15 to nothing quick spurt for the for the for Iowa, and uh, never really got any closer than that. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. did want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about the women's game last night where uh, Caitlin Clark was fantastic, but couldn't do it by herself. And, and Monica Sonano helped out so much. Kate Martin, Gabby Marshall, uh, Warnock. I mean, it, it was a O'Grady had a good game. That was such a fun game to watch last night. And again, uh, both teams started out so slow from the field. Uh, and then Iowa State kind of found their groove in the second quarter and, and had a five-point lead at, at the break. But that third quarter last night is as dominant as you'll ever see. And again, this is a, a an Iowa State team that's not just ranked 10th, is is ranked 10th and, and should be, is a complete team, is, is maybe the best team in the Big 12 with maybe the best player in the Big 12 and Ashley Jones. And the, the addition that Stephanie Suarez has had to their team down low is the piece that they had been missing the last couple of years. And so this was an Iowa State team that came in uh, very confident. This was an Iowa team that came in knowing that Caitlin Clark can't just do everything. And knowing that you have to play good defense and you have to find a way to put it all together in order to beat the best teams in the country. And if you consider yourself one of those best teams in the country, you have to put it all together in one of these games. And and I talked earlier this week in a podcast about, you know, not being worried that, that I was Iowa hadn't figured it out quite you remember last season with the COVID pause at about this time, it really kind of threw Iowa off off their game. And it wasn't until mid-January or so that they kind of got that groove back, and yet they were able to, to get it back to the degree that they won the regular season Big Ten championship, they won the tournament championship, and, and ultimately fell short of you know reaching the second weekend of the, the NCAA tournament. But you felt like this team could find a way to put it all together, and when they do, they're going to be really, really hard to beat. Well, they they did put it all together last night in the the seventy to fifty seven win over Iowa State, and really that that third quarter, twenty seven to eight, Iowa outscored Iowa State in that third quarter, and the Avalanche was just was was on at that point. And when when you have Caitlin Clark hitting logo threes, that's one thing. 
but she was just 7 to 20 from the field, 4 and 9 from three point land. She had 19 points, uh, five steals, eight assists, eight rebounds. That's her thing, right? She fills up that stat sheet. She has the Big Ten career lead in triple doubles already and, uh, and is certainly going to add to that. But then you got Monica Sonano adding a double double with 18 points and 10 rebounds. And, and the way she plays uh, was just so, so key. Um, Kate Martin, 13 points. You really needed her to, to have there that McKenna Warnock with nine points, Gabby Marshall just three, and uh, and Addison O'Grady uh, a nice six points off the bench in just twelve minutes. And, and this so this this Iowa team, the women, uh, really was able again able to put it all together last night and beat a really good Iowa State team and has to feel good now moving moving ahead into uh, they they have Minnesota coming to town on Saturday. Uh, you've got a tough UNI team eight days after that, after the, you have a nice little break, a game against Dartmouth, and then into Big Ten play, right? At the end of this month, we're going into Big Ten play. Purdue at Illinois, at Michigan, uh, and, and away we go for the Iowa women. On the men's side, we'll get to the men's side in just a moment. Let's let's just stick with the women here for, for a little bit. And Caitlin Clark, the ambassador that she is to this sport, for this state, for this university, for all of us as Hawkeyes, is just incredible. Uh, I hope you were watching that game on ESPN2 last night. If you weren't, uh, try to find the, the post-game interview with her. I mean, as soon as the game was over, she walked over and sat down at the, the broadcast table uh, with the, the, the two women broadcasting the game, put on the headset, and had this great conversation with them in which she uh, not just talked about that game, but you, you can see these former women's basketball players and the way that they interact with Caitlin Clark, the way that they look at her, the way that they treat her as, as one of them, um, the way that they paved the way for her to do what she's doing now and, and to have the kind of platform that she has now and the, the notoriety that she has uh, within not just women's sports, but all of sports and, and really all of pop culture to some extent when you have NBA players you know, following her on Instagram and, and randomly tweeting about her and things like that. Um, but she, she doesn't use that as a way to prop herself up. She uses it as a way to prop others up and, and to, to help out, you know, to, to shine the light on her teammates and on her coaches and on this university and on women's basketball as a whole. She she talked about how good Iowa State is and, and how, how good uh, this state is in college basketball on the women's side when you and I and Drake both have really good teams and really good programs. And we have four strong women's basketball programs in this state, and they all play each other. And Iowa's a win over you and I away from the, the in-state sweep of the year. Uh, after you know narrowly beating Drake, blowing out Iowa State, and now, now the UNI game upcoming in, in 10 days or so. But she's just such a great ambassador, such a great um, you know example for for everybody, for everybody. Uh, and it's so cool that, that she's an in-state uh, player. She grew up here and she's doing it here. And it's just, it's so much fun to watch. It really is. Like, all the hyperbole, everything you can say about Caitlin Clark. She's earned it. She deserves it. She wears it well. And uh, it just makes you so proud as a Hawkeye and as an Iowan uh, to to just watch her. And we're, we're just, we're damn lucky that we have Caitlin Clark. We are witnesses when it comes to Caitlin Clark. More so than maybe any athlete uh, we've seen come through the University of Iowa. 
All right, back to the men here quickly uh, as we look kind of at what's ahead for the Hawkeyes. Uh, Wisconsin comes to town Sunday evening, and there, as far as I've seen, there hasn't been any official report on Chris Murray. What I've heard is it's going to be several weeks. Uh, he had the walking boot on. He was seen last night at the women's game with the walking boot. Obviously didn't play tonight, sat on the sideline with that walking boot. Uh, And it sounds like he's not going to be back anytime soon. I certainly don't expect him back Sunday and probably don't even expect him back for the start of the the, the restart, I guess, of the Big Ten schedule uh, at the end of this month. If you're going to miss your best player for a month, this is the best time to, to have that happen. It's it's not ideal, obviously. You never want it to happen, but this is so much better than it happening uh, at the start of the season, I think, because you got to play him. You got to you got to find out who you are as a team with him and, and let him get into his groove a little bit. Uh, it's so much better, than obviously, than it happening in January, February, or March uh, because that's when the games you know matter so, so, so much more. Um, even if Iowa had lost tonight and, and lost to Wisconsin and went 0-3 in this kind of grueling week, uh, you knew that in the Big Ten you have enough opportunity that if, if you're a good Big Ten team, you're getting to the tournament. So, if you have to lose Chris Murray for an extended period of time, I think now is probably the best time to have that happen. Uh, you and, and then I mean, especially when you saw the team play without him tonight and how well they played. I, I certainly don't think they played better without him, but th- there is that thing that happens where other guys have to step up. Uh, we saw it. I, I think the most uh, obvious time we saw this as Hawkeye fans was when Peter Jock got hurt. I think it was his senior year, and Iowa wasn't very good that year, but he got hurt, and it seemed like they played better. And part of that was because they they didn't need to run the same system. They didn't need to run it through him all of the time. And and obviously, they don't need to run the, 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 the offense through Chris Murray, but it was just nice to see this team respond the way that they did. Now, I don't know if I expect this team to show up in the same way Sunday, Sunday evening against Wisconsin. Uh, it'd be it'd sure be nice, uh, obviously, but this is a good Wisconsin team coming to town. I mean, this is not a game that uh, that you should take lightly, and, and it's a team that's going to try to play you a lot, a lot in the same way that Iowa State did today. They're going to try to annoy you and get up in you and foul you a lot and uh, and and get and. and so it's a positive sign, certainly, that Iowa was able to do what they did to Iowa State tonight. You hope to see something similar uh, in a game on on Sunday against Wisconsin. That's that's the really important game that that's still left on the schedule over these next couple of weeks. Then you have Southeast Missouri State come to town the following uh, Saturday, Eastern Illinois on the twenty first. And then, I mean, really, you're at Nebraska on the 29th. You're at Penn State on New Year's Day. Those aren't sure thing wins uh, without Chris Murray. But if you had to pick two Big Ten games where you're not going to have Chris Murray, you know, a couple of road games at Nebraska and at Penn State are, are probably those games because – you can afford to, to stumble. You can afford to go one and one in those games. And I think we saw tonight that Iowa can play really well even without Chris Murray. They, they're good enough to beat Nebraska, probably good enough to beat Penn State on the road uh, without Chris Murray. But if you can get Chris Murray back by that January 5th game against Indiana at home, that's I think that's what, what should be circled. And again, I'm speculating here. I don't know what's wrong with Chris Murray. Maybe he'll be back a lot sooner than this. Maybe it's not as big of a deal as, as it seems to be. It feels like, uh, by all accounts, by the rumors, by the, you know, I don't even want to say sources that I have because that's, that's, pu- that's putting too, uh, it's making it sound too, like, uh, 
official. Uh, just from what I'm gathering, I don't think we're going to see Chris Murray on the floor Sunday, and I doubt we'll see him against Southeast Missouri State or Eastern Illinois. And honestly, like I said, if you can hold him out an extra week and get him fully healthy for that game at home against Indiana, I think that's what you do because then – off you go, right? And then it's it's Big Ten play, and that's the really important part of this schedule, the really important part of this season. Uh, you've done enough now in the non-conference to, to put yourself in a really good position. Now you just got to go be a top half of the Big Ten team. And hopefully I was better than that. And hopefully Chris Murray comes back fully healthy, and you've got this Tony Perkins, and you've got this Patrick McCaffrey, and you've got this Connor McCaffrey maybe more, than, and this Philip Robracha. I mean, if you have those guys... Uh, you're going to do really well, and, and you know the, the sky is the limit for Iowa uh, in the Big Ten. But you've put yourself now in a position with a couple of really nice quad one wins uh, that you're not chasing that late in the season the way you were a year ago. And so you feel good about this team uh, moving forward. Obviously, getting a blowout win tonight without your best player just makes you feel great. It doesn't hurt that it was against your biggest rival. Um, and you know to, to kind of send T.J. Otzenberger and his – small polos packing back to Ames with his tail between his legs. That That's a lot of fun. Uh, one last note, uh, maybe maybe a couple notes here. Uh, Jack Campbell, you got you, I have to talk about Jack Campbell quickly. Um, won the Campbell Award on Tuesday, which is essentially the academic Heisman. Just a really cool, you know, not, not going to sit up here and say it's some sort of award that we all care about a whole lot or that we all uh, strive to win or that that's, you know, but it, it's a really, really cool thing. And, and you, you should acknowledge somebody who is able to, to do things at this level on the field and off the field to be able to keep the the great point that he has and to have the kind of community service that he has and just to be the kind of upstanding guy now, I don't know Jack Campbell but man he seems like a legitimately good dude he really does and so then then have him win that Campbell award which is a cool cool award uh, that's on the heels of being you know named the the Big Ten defensive player of the year by the coaches and the media and now the AP as well uh, he's going to be a consensus unanimous first team all-american uh, he is going to have his picture up on that wall of honor inside the Iowa football facility. And now he's done something that, that no Hawkeye has ever done, and that's win the Dick Buckus Award, which goes to the best linebacker in the country. And this isn't one of these newfangled early awards. This is He's the first Hawkeye to win this award, and they've been giving it out since 1985. So you're talking Larry Station didn't win this award. That's a College Football Hall of Famer. You're talking Josie Jewell, who is a semifinalist for this twice, didn't win this award. Chad Greenway, who is a semifinalist, I believe, for this award, didn't win this award. Uh, a few weeks ago, Chad Lysico, the Des Moines Register, tweeted that, that Jack Campbell's the best linebacker, Campbell's the best linebacker uh, in Iowa football history. I don't have a long enough tenure. Um, I, I didn't see Larry Station play. I can't make that claim. But the awards are certainly going to favor him. The accolades are going to favor him. The the stats. Um, and then by by all accounts, the way he carries himself, the way his teammates follow him, the way he, um, you know, I don't know how much credit you give to him for keeping that team together this year. But certainly when you talk about somebody facing the public, uh, putting a face on the defense and having the back of the offense, he was that guy game in and game out. Every every post game press conference, he was the guy out there getting emotional, talking about how he loves Spencer Petrus in this offense, and and of course there's no, uh, you know, no kind of looking across the room like what the hell are you guys doing? Why do we have to carry you? 
Jack Campbell carries himself. Yeah, all of the accolades I just laid on Caitlin Clark a, a segment ago lay, lay on Jack Campbell as well. The type of person you want representing your university, the type of person you want representing uh, yourself as a, as a fan. And um, I think now you probably just say he's he's the greatest linebacker in Iowa football history. And man, what a what an accomplishment. I mean, what, what a thing to have. And there's no way in hell he's opting out of this bowl game. He'll, he'll play both, both ways. If he has to, he will carry Iowa to a win against Kentucky if he has to. And, and, you know, honestly, at this point, I'd say that's probably going to happen because of him and because of this defense. Uh, and, um, such a cool thing for him. Such a cool thing. A transfer portal chaos continues. Um, feels like Eric all is going to, to end up at Iowa. Um, uh, Iowa, you know, after some other guys, it's you know, it's going to be a few weeks. We'll we'll see. I will say there was a, a photo tonight of uh, Cade McNamara hanging out inside Carver Hawkeye Arena with Brian Ferentz. Brian Ferentz cer- certainly didn't look like a guy who was going to be fired in a few weeks, um, or really even a guy who is going to be demoted in a few weeks. So maybe brace yourselves for that. If if you've been expecting a change at offensive coordinator. Maybe pump the brakes on that a little bit and just be ready to accept whatever happens after the bowl game and whatever changes Iowa uh, says they, they've made or, or will make on offense. I will say if you haven't listened to the Room podcast, um, Cade McNamara was on that this week. It's on YouTube is where I found it. And about 34 minutes into the show, uh, they start asking him about Iowa. And he spends six or seven minutes talking about uh, why he decided to come to Iowa, what offensive changes they, they plan to make. Um, and you know, it really fires you up as a fan. This guy wants to be here and he wants to prove himself here. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, sees an opportunity where, where everybody else sees a problem. He sees an opportunity. And so, uh, I would encourage you to go listen to that and, uh, and we'll have everything covered at HawkeyeNation.com as we have, and as we will continue to do, uh, what a night, what a week. It's a Hawkeye state. Uh, check out HawkeyeNation.com. Stick with us here on the Hawkeye Nation podcast. I appreciate you listening and go Hawks. Hawks.